Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, from our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God I would lay on your hearts today comes from the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, verses 15 to 23, as follows. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So far the holy word. Dear friends in Christ, fellow redeemed. You know, it all seems that it seems that all of us have our favorite time of the year. Some people like springtime, some people like the winter months with snow. Some people uh, like the fall and the colors the fall has. Same thing is true about the church year. There are different times of the church year that uh, hold their special places in our hearts. Some people really like Christmas. They so look forward to Christmas and celebrating the birth of the Christ child and going over that again. Some people really look forward to Easter, the six weeks of Lent of repentance and concentrating on our Savior's suffering and death on the cross, but then to have that joyous resurrection uh, brought out in front of them again. During all these things, we certainly count our many spiritual blessings that God showers upon us in his, as being members of his church. Well, one of the things that uh, probably gets a little bit looked over in Christian church is this celebration of Jesus' ascension. I firmly believe that ascension should be as important and as joyful to us as Christmas or Easter. The ascension means so much for us. And today we can count our ascension blessings. The Apostle Paul here in uh, Ephesians writes to the believers there and to us about what God is doing and giving us. And, I, you know, usually at the end of the year, don't we look back and count our blessings? Uh, we don't have to wait till the end of the year. We can think of the many things that God showers upon us every day. And especially this day. Well, actually, Ascension Day itself was last Thursday. It's always 40 days after Easter. That's how much time Jesus spent uh, appearing to his disciples after he rose from the grave. 40 days he spent here on earth preaching and teaching the gospel of repentance and salvation. Uh, it was a joyous time for Jesus' followers. But as we read in those two accounts from Luke, both Acts and Luke chapter 24, Jesus ascended into heaven. But before he went up there, he promised his church, you and I, the helper, the spirit of truth who would come. 
The one who you have already had work in your heart and give you the gift of faith. The one whom the Bible says, even now, makes your body His temple. Jesus promised. Now, the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit that those disciples were promised then occurred ten days after Ascension Day. And we do celebrate this festival also. It's next Sunday. It's called Pentecost Sunday when the Holy Spirit filled these people with uh, with his gifts and with many special gifts to jumpstart the New Testament Christian church to get things going so the message of Christ crucified and uh, the victory of the of the grave his victory over the grave could be preached to all the nations and it has come down to us 2000 years later but today we remember Christ's ascension and what it means to us and we'll count our blessings Paul uh, begins by saying how he includes the Ephesians. He's heard of their faith. He's heard of what they've done. And he he thanks God for them in his prayers. And he continually asks that God would pour out upon them some of God's most wonderful spiritual blessings. And they're listed here. Um, If you don't think that you get God's gifts every day, then look at this where it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, to you and to every believer everywhere, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, wants to give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And you can capitalize that word spirit there. Because that's the Holy Spirit whom God gives you through the hearing of His Word, through Jesus, which is the Word. Every time you open your Bible from front to back, it's really the red letter edition. <laughs> you know, in the Gospels, how the Jesus' words are in red letters? Well, all of the Bible, all those 66 books are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And all of those words, from the least of them to the greatest of them, are Jesus. He is the Word. All of the Bible is really the red letter edition it's all red it's all his and they're all it's all for our learning it's also that god can bless us through the hearing of it in our own studies even if it's you know you're at your job or you're at school or it's a moment walking home or somewhere where a verse runs through your mind that's the holy spirit who is opening your heart that's the holy spirit working through his word to give you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him Solomon wrote in the Psalms, or in the Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, this month and in the month of June will be the end of uh, many uh, a school in our area. I don't know if there's already any schools that have let out. Uh, probably toward, more towards the end of May, in the middle of the end of May, and then in June, schools start letting out. Education is important among us, isn't it? Well, God knows how much education we need because of our spiritual poorness, because of our own sins. The Lord knows that He needs to send the Holy Spirit into our heart and continue to open up our understanding of Scripture. To give you an example, you know, the the Bible's teaching of the Trinity, that there are three persons in one God. Not three gods. One God, three persons in the Trinity, That is sometimes a a difficult teaching for some to understand. But your faith believes it, even though it can't understand it. How can one plus one plus one equal one? It's bad math. But here's an example of how the Spirit 
of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him has opened this up to you and given you the ability to believe it. And, and by the way, the Trinity is mentioned right here, isn't it? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, there they are, the God the Father, God the Son, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. The spirit. There's God the Holy Spirit. So three persons of the Trinity right there. And because the spirit opened our understanding, enlightened us, we have a firm and confident belief in the Trinity. For our, towards our salvation. It's one of the ascension blessings that comes to us because our Savior is there at the right hand of God making sure all of this takes place. What other gifts? Just continue. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Uh, the eyes of your understanding. <laughs> now we know how important our eyesight is to us. I... I uh, I know that as we get older, uh, we can be plagued with various diseases that diminish our eyesight. Sometimes it's real gradual. There's a gradual, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with macular degeneration. Some of it's slow, some of it's fast. Uh, Sometimes there's uh, cataracts in your eyes that need to be taken care of. And our eyesight isn't what it used to be when we were younger. Even now, I can't wear my contacts and read at the same time like I used to be able to because they haven't invented bifocal uh, eye contacts yet so I don't think they have so eyesight's important it's more so important in your spiritual life to have the eyesight that God wants you to see so that you, so that you can even ignore your physical eyesight and believe and see what the Lord has planned for you the eyes of your understanding being enlightened in 1 Corinthians 2 the apostle, wrote, the apostle Paul wrote The things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. The things of the Spirit of God, they're spiritually discerned. He teaches you. You can have a guy stand up in front of you and read God's Word to you, like I'm doing, and talk about it, like I'm doing. But who really teaches your heart, who opens your spiritual eyesight, that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes sure that you are enlightened. He is the one, after all, who called you out of darkness and enlightened you to the plan that God has for you to be saved through his son Jesus Christ he's the one who has given you that spiritual sight to see now as our physical sight goes that can be frightening losing your eyesight some people do end up being blind for a period of time towards the end of their lives some people go through life totally blind but it's, it's a scary thought it's not something we want to lose how much more so Do we not want to lose our spiritual sight? When we hear God's word and when spirit works through that word in our hearts, the spirit continually opens the eyes of our understanding. It enlightens the word for us. The more you study the word, the more you immerse yourself in it, the more the Holy Spirit says, look at this gem. Look at this Bible nugget. Look at this wonderful teaching that applies to you and is for you. Kind of like Jesus' ascension. I mean, how important did you think the ascension was? Even when we're told on a year-by-year basis, we forget. Oh, yeah, the ascension of Christ. What that means is Jesus, who is all-powerful, and by the way, there's another another hard teaching to understand. To be all-powerful and almighty goes against human reason, and yet our faith believes it because the Holy Spirit has enlightened us, given the eyes of our understanding, the ability to see. And... uh, 
God is almighty. Jesus is almighty. And he's there at the right hand of the Father in the place of all authority and power using his power toward us. In fact, it says that twice in here. Uh, that uh, the word, the let's see, Father, I'll give you spirit, wisdom, and truth. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? And then at the end, too, uh, he's head over all things to the church, toward us. You see, God's grace and mercy, all of his promises are always ever toward you, always pouring on and never backing off, always usward, for lack of a better word. It's always towards his church. He is the head of the church, and he's there the right hand in the place of all power and authority, the right hand of God, working everything out for our spiritual good. Also that, another gift, you may know what is the hope of your calling. And we've talked about hope recently in a sermon. Christian hope. Oh, it's not, I hope you have a nice day, or I hope you're feeling better, or I hope you don't catch this bug. Christian hope is something different. Christian hope is a certainty. It is a absolute, rock-solid guarantee that what Scripture says is true. And God in heaven, Jesus, your Savior, sitting there in the place of power, is using his power so that your hope, you may know what is the hope of his calling. God did call you, and he just did more than say, hey, you. He called you by your name. He knows your name. He knows the very hairs of your head. They're all numbered. He cares for you. He knows that he has redeemed you with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He knows that your standing now is, because of Christ's merit, justified, declared not guilty. And that's how he sees you. That's where he has called you to. And our hope is in that truth. What is the hope of his calling It's always toward you. Our trust, our certainty, our ironclad guarantee is that God has saved us. That God has guaranteed our inheritance. It's ahead of us. That's the next one. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? One time Jesus asked, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I used to teach my confirmation kids the one-inch rule. If uh, our life here on earth was one inch off the ground, and then all the other inches all the way to the moon, however many that is, I don't know, if that's your time in eternity, what's more important? The the inch of our lifetime here or, or eternity? Well, that's what Jesus is saying when he said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world or loses his own soul? So you see, the eyes of our understanding, our faith, realizes what's valuable and what isn't. Now, we know that there are things in the world that tempt us away from God, and we ask God to give us strength to avoid those things. We know where true riches lie. They lie in His Word, in the promise of our salvation. They lie in the understanding of our our eyes being open to the ascension and what that means to us. That's where true riches lie. There's a Bible passage where it says, uh, 
that Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that that you through his poverty might become rich. The ascension, Jesus at the right hand with all his power, is reminding us that the riches that he put aside when he came down to earth, you know, the, the full use of his power as God, he put that aside. He didn't use it fully while he was here on earth. He appeared just like a, a, a normal man back in his day. And he didn't always use his divine power. He set, he set it aside. Sometimes he did with the miracles to prove that what he was, the message he brought was the truth. Uh, but he didn't use his full power until he ascended into heaven, until his, uh, his work on the redeeming work on the cross was finished and accomplished. Then kicked in his, his exaltation, his being lifted up by God the Father. And now he's at God's right hand, using all of that power for us so that we can know the riches that are ours. You know, we always hear reports about the richest man in America, the richest man, or who's on the million do- or the billion dollar list. You know, there's, it's a long list in America right now. There's a lot of billionaires out there. And being a millionaire anymore, that's not any big deal like it used to be 50 years ago. Well, not that quite, 30 years ago when I was a kid. But a, million, a billionaire, wow, there aren't too many of those. But you're far richer and far wealthier than that. All of your sins have been taken, taken care of paid in full by the blood of your Savior Jesus. His resurrection from the dead means you will one day rise too if he doesn't come before your earthly death. But uh, when he does come, if, you've di- if you or any of our loved ones who have died, they will be re- their souls will be reunited with their bodies. We will be caught up in the air with him and there to be with our Savior for all eternity. So that means that Jesus' ascension is the forerunner of your own. You too will ascend into heaven. And the power of Jesus working right now in your hearts through this word gives you that hope, that guarantee that these things are true. That's where our true riches lie. That helps us to prioritize things in our lives. For the rest of our lives, we'll we'll put God first and we'll use the things of this world to his glory. And we'll do it because he's already given us the greatest riches of all, the forgiveness of sins. You know, a single sin, the riches of the world can't pay the price. Only the perfect blood of Jesus can pay for sin. And he completely paid for yours and mine, in fact, the whole world's. It's all paid for in full. What riches are ours? Because Jesus became poor. He became spiritually poor. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So we would never have to even begin to attempt to pay the price. We can't. It's done. That's the power of the hope that we have in our hearts that's looking forward to these things. Finally, we have, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? The exceeding greatness of his power. Can we plumb the depths of the power of God? Can we use an illustration to show you how powerful that is, what level that is? Because for us, there's always a level of power, right? But limitless power, how can I describe that? Except call it limitless. And that's the power being used right now, not only to save you, but to keep you in faith and to continually remind you of these great blessings that are toward you 
His, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. So today, as we celebrate the ascension, we celebrate the truth that Jesus has returned to the glory which He had with the Father before He came to earth to take on the role of that suffering servant. Now, He rules as head over all things and uses His power for the good of the church in general and for the good of you in particular. Now He pleads for us with the Father. And one day, He will come back again to take us to be with Him forever. Therefore, His ascension is the forerunner of our own. Because I live, Jesus said, you shall live also. And we shall be caught up in the air with Him, there to praise His name, to share in the glory that He has earned for us, and to always be reminded, that, and to always be in the presence of that powerful God who even now works in our behalf, our Savior Jesus. Amen.